are live there with another go. episode of the Brown Water Banter Podcast. My name is Jared Seymour. My name is Joey Gates. That's right. We got a great episode lined up for you. In the studio, we have uh, Johnny Marquez from the Mississippi Wildlife Foundation. We're going to be talking about... Uh, Federation. Feder- Federation. What did I say? Foundation? Yeah. Okay. Mississippi <laughs> Wildlife Federation. Federation. There we yeah, go. We got yeah, it right yeah. now. Uh, we're going to be talking about all the things that they do, man. It's, uh, it's a pretty cool topic. I was reading about it a little bit on your website today. Uh, excited to jump into it. But before we do that... Uh, I want to thank the people that keep the lights on over here at the Brownwater Studio. Right out of the gate, uh, 2023 is the year to keep your mouth clean. Dr. Robbie Williams over at Southern Magnolia Smiles, man. Uh, If you're looking for a great local dentist, they are located on Washington Avenue in Ocean Springs. They are on the uh, socials there at at Southern Magnolia Smiles on Facebook and Instagram. And when you're ready to book that appointment, tell them that you heard about them here on the podcast uh, and give them a call at 228-215-1202. Uh, moving right along, our good buddy Tyler over at Taylor & Cox Law Firm. They have been practicing law in Pascagoula for 30 years, man. Uh, they come highly recommended from everybody that we've spoke to. And now that we've got to know Tyler, we recommend them ourselves. So, That's right. Uh, we've got these hats on. <laughs> yeah. If you find yourself in the need for some legal representation, they uh, specialize in criminal law, family law, and civil litigation defense. Uh, so give them a shout at 228-696-0111 and tell them that you heard about him here. Uh, he is also, Taylor & Cox Law Firm is also the sponsor for the Brownwater Banter app. Uh, if you don't have it on your phone, go download it now. It's free, App Store and Google Play. Uh, it's got all your outdoor needs covered, uh, tails and scales, b- bag limits, uh, tides, weather, all right there in one app, man. And uh, Taylor & Cox Law Firm is a sponsor for that, so we appreciate it. Uh, moving along, Forever Young Men and Women's Health this is our buddy Kendrick. Uh, if you find yourself uh, lethargic, you can't get off the couch, you can't get motivated uh, to get back in the gym or really even just move around, man, you feel tired, uh, go over to Forever Young Men and Women's Health and uh, let Kendrick run some labs on you, man, and figure out maybe you need some hormone replacement, uh, maybe it's dietary, maybe it's vitamins, anything uh, that he can fix, man, he can do it for you. Uh, and if it is home hormone replacement, you can do it under the uh, supervision of a medical professional. Uh, he's located in Gulfport, and he treats men and women. So uh, if you find if that's something that you're interested in, you can give him a call at 228-363-6623 or look him up on Facebook and uh, tell him that Brownwater sent you. Uh, next up, I think this is our guest for Thursday show. Is that correct, Joey? O'Brien. Yeah, yep, we have uh, Robbie uh, Robbie O'Brien, who is running for Jackson County Sheriff. And uh, I got I got the thing pulled up here. He's gonna his key points, his campaign promise is that he's gonna address recruiting and retention within the department. He wants to increase school and church safety, uh, and he wants to promote pra- uh, proactive policing efforts, build community relationships through transparency, and address the increase in crime and drug overdoses in the county. Uh, so remember, August the eighth is uh, coming up. Well, that's only seven days away, per the re- yep. as we record this. Uh, so get out and vote. Um, if you want to know more about Robbie O'Brien, you can text him at 228-218-1099 or go to www.obryantforsheriff.com. And we also have his opponent, one of his opponents here, the current sheriff in Jackson County. Uh, this is John Ledbetter. Uh, he's also a sponsor for, for the month. And uh, he's running on uh, experience. He said for the past uh, 22 years, he's dedicated his life to protecting the citizens of Jackson County. Uh, he thinks our community der- deserves a leader with a track record of integrity and accountability. 
Um, he supports community leaders, elected officials, and law enforcement, and he's going to work hard to earn your vote again this uh, coming up August the 8th. So uh, when you see his name on the ballot there, you can also go check out uh, our previous episode that we did with him. Uh, it was a great conversation, so if you want to get to know him a little bit better, uh, you can do that, uh, and we appreciate his support for the show. Uh, last uh, that just jumped on here with us is uh, Randy Bosarge. He was uh, last episode, yep. I do believe, District uh, 5 supervisor in Jackson County. He's also running for re-election. Uh, Randy's got a ton of experience. Uh, he's been the board president, uh, Jackson County's uh, 2018 and 2022. Um, he talked at length about all the economic development that's coming through for uh, Jackson County, both past and future. Uh, so go check that episode out as well. His name will be on the ballot August the 8th. So make sure you get out there and vote. And, Randy, we appreciate you uh, supporting the show. So yeah. uh, thanks a lot. And finally, finally, we got back to fishing. Yes. Joey's finally. Been, Joey's been, been itching. In these politics, man. And we got finally, one, finally, got one Thursday, man. Yeah, we got one more. <laughs> on Thursday. So One more. Yeah. So, Johnny, thanks for hanging out with us, man. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us what you're doing these days. All right. Um, well, I uh, I grew up on the coast. Was here, uh, you know, been my here my whole life. Other than I did a, a twelve year stint up in D.C. and uh, recovering attorney. Uh, moved gotcha. moved moved home. Practiced long distance for a little while. Uh, moved home right before a storm, and then uh, decided I would try something a little different and got into the the conservation arena first as a volunteer, and then uh, was uh, the executive director for CCA for uh, a number of years. And then moved over to the Mississippi Wildlife Federation, uh, where I currently uh, serve as their director of coastal policy and programs. So I work on uh, state and federal fisheries issues and uh, coastal conservation issues and sportsman's issues around the state. So, you know, hunting as well as fishing, but, uh, you know, coastal issues are, are really where I have my focus. Yeah. How long has this been around? Cause is, is it a fairly new organization or how is it? No, they've, they've been around for uh, quite a long time. Uh, just over 75 years oh, uh, oldest really? oldest organizations in the state um and it's a, it's a you know unique organization they are an affiliate organization which means we're we're made up of other organizations so we're kind of a um an organization that is comprised of others we have affiliate members that are other nonprofits which gives us a a pretty a big reach um but one of the things that you know the organization always struggled with was they didn't have a coastal presence it was based out of Jackson um, that's how I came on board. They, you know, had tried to build a coastal presence, but it's hard to do some do that without actually having somebody on the coast. Right. And uh, as, as we all know, I mean, once you go north I ten, it's all it's all it's all <laughs> it's different. All pine I mean, trees. We're, we're we're kind of in a little sketch area right here. We're yeah, just yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. North, north, north fifty seven. Yeah, yeah, north fifty seven. We have to go back and get our coast card yeah. right when we leave here. That's right. That's right. That's good stuff. Um, so uh, you jumped from CCA into here, uh, coming from the coast. Did, were you bring? Was there a saltwater aspect of it, or is that what you're bringing to Jackson? Um, I think you know I'm, I'm bringing that there. They did not have so much of a fisheries focus. It right. was um, they did have a habitat focus. We had some programs down here that had been funded, particularly after uh, the spill. Right. Uh, we had a habitat stewards program that would, was uh, stood up here to help train volunteers with conservation. But um, bringing that sportsman's advocacy piece of it was uh was a big part of what i helped to do yeah um it also came at a time after the spill when you know we really realized that there was going to be a big need we're going to have this money flowing in um and we were going to need coordination amongst some different ngos to participate in that process and how that money was spent make sure it was spent wisely um that we you know it's we got a, a pretty long runway it's right. not as long as people think to spend that money 
but you want to make sure that we have, you know, um, projects that are going to change the landscape and not be sort of, a, you know, a bunch of what we like to call random acts of conservation. Right. A right. little something here and a little something there, but nothing that's really coordinated and building it on itself. So, yeah. So that was part of the reason for the the uh, the position as well. I got you. How did you, how do you feel that breakdown went? I know it's been a point of contention in politics. Going back to that for for a little bit since since the money was awarded, right? Everybody's trying to get their hand in that cookie jar, right? I, I you know I think it's been a a, a pretty good process. Um, it's it's hard because the you know the general public they it's divided up into all these buckets and you know, right. the you know the guy on the street. He couldn't care less what bucket of money is something gets paid for uh, out of. He just wants to know that the resources being protected and projects are are happening. And it's not just the BP funding. We've got Gomesa funding. We have Thailand's funding. We have this new giant infrastructure bill that's coming down. It has restoration dollars in it. You know, so trying to figure out how to have a coordinated plan for that and to make it transparent. Um, that continues, although I think the work's going on, um, we continue to advocate with, you know, within the state and the legislature, DEQ, DMR, mm-hmm. um, for more transparency in that process. And honestly, to talk about the projects and the work that they're doing, cause they're doing good work, you right. know, and sometimes it's hard to get people to, you know, give themselves an attaboy and, and pat themselves on the back and tell the story about what they're doing. We, we, we talked to, uh, we're, we've been trying to get DMR to come on, but there's like, you know, some hoops you got to jump over yeah. to, to get them to be able to speak on camera. But I said the same thing to some of our elected officials. It's like, y'all do do good work up there sometimes, but the messaging back to the community, to the citizen, is usually like non-existent. They only ever hear the bad stuff on the news, you know? That's right. It's That's a tough thing. Now, I, I'll give I'll give DMR an attaboy. For those of you who have not been on their site, you should go on there and subscribe they have brought back a newsletter that they're doing, and uh, I think Rick Burris was was central behind uh, doing that. And it's a great, like a flip magazine. It's got de- detailed yeah. articles. Right. They'll push out an article here or there, but it comes out once. I think it comes out once a month. But um, it's very nicely done, and it'll have focus on you know some different things that they're working on. And uh, so they're they're ramping that back up. I think Rick's kind of made that his personal. Uh, crusade it's baby, a, yeah. yeah yeah it's a well, nice they need to come on and talk to us about it because i didn't we yeah. didn't know that was a thing i didn't know that did you know that yeah, yeah. i haven't seen it yeah yeah so. well it's how you get it out you know i don't know i don't know what they're doing to get it out there and sometimes right. it just maybe today uh we'll put a link we'll, <laughs> right. we'll, we'll, yeah we'll, we'll yeah. get a link on after this uh you, you said know, it's on their can, website i can see if i can find it right now while we're talking uh keep going though keep yeah going. um you said you're the southern is there is there how many directors are there are you the, the main one or is there one up north or how does well, that work we have a we have a director for the organization okay and then uh, uh a chief executive officer and then i handle you know policy work we still you know there's how you uh there's a lot of intersection there you know I, that's always been a challenge with our organization honestly i tell them you know it's not just fishermen down here and we hunters are. up yeah, there yeah, you yeah, know yeah, yeah. and, yeah, and I, in october everybody starts packing up their stuff and getting out to camo and heading north. Right. And when turkey season's over, they're back on the water. You know, they're sportsmen. They're right. not just – it's not everybody, but uh, it's not just hunting. They're not just fishing. So um, trying to blend those cultures. And you need all you need all those guys at the table and to understand the issues um, because you can't get anything done with just the coast vote right. or just the northern vote. So Just had a big week, right? Y'all just had y'all's big – I guess you call it extravaganza – we did. So we walk have, us through uh, that, yeah. Yeah, so we, we've held a, a wildlife show called a, the Wildlife Extravaganza, Mississippi Wildlife Extravaganza, for um, going on 35 years now in Jackson. 
um it's uh it's been a, a fantastic show it's a real family friendly show um hunting and fishing uh, this was a, a particularly fun one lot lot of uh kids activities we had uh we had some unique stuff i hadn't seen we had uh some some coon dogs there did coon yeah. dog races swimming across the pond and chasing the you know tree in a, a simulated coon um but uh, great representation from from around the south. It's been a real nice show for uh, for us for many years. Yeah, I watched some of the stuff earlier. Had some big names like the, the all those tur- uh, gobbler turkey callers. Yeah, game callers. Uh, what's the gentleman right. in the wheelchair? Uh, that dude is legit. Yeah. Caller. Th- yes. Yeah. Oh my God, he's he's awesome. And then yeah. he had some like some, some celebrities, little YouTube like uh, Bubba Buck and a couple of other ones that are bigger up there that that showed up. It's a pretty good meeting. Right. Yeah. We had some good celebrities there. We had the uh, National Wild Turkey uh, the calling championship there, which lasted most of the day. We have um, uh, big bug contests. So we had you know hundred big bucks that come in. They can, they can bring their buck in. They get it scored. They give prizes for it. Um, so that's that's nice to see some pretty incredible deer have been uh, oh, harvested in, in Mississippi from across yeah. state during the last year. So it was a it was a good three days. Yeah, I was looking at your website earlier today too, and the, the thing I found the coolest is that y'all are a citizen group. You know, it's not, like you said, NGO, non government affiliated, right? This is right. all voluntary, right? Would you say everybody that participates is voluntary basis? Well, we have a you know like any NGO, we have a we have a small staff. We don't have right. a very big staff, right. and then we have a volunteer board, and um, and then outreach through uh, members and supporters and and our other affiliates uh, to try to bring voice to the table. Right. What are some of the the issues that are like you know top priority for for y'all that y'all are looking at, especially related to the coast? Um, well, for the coast, it would be you know a lot of it is coastal restoration work. So. Okay. It could be anything from, uh, for example, the last uh, DMR meeting they announced a coastal restoration project at Cat Island. I don't know if you saw that. They are going to uh, restore some 660 acres of Cat Island. Okay. Um, but it's only 30% design. And, you know, they're permitting it at 30% design. Well, there's a lot of concerns with that. You know, that's where we're coming into the table to make sure they're, um, you know, uh, funding adequate uh, dune fencing, vegetation planting early on, not just bringing sediment in because the last thing any of us want is to extend Goose Point and then have it all blow over in and silt in Smuggler's Cove yeah. and there goes uh, the trout kill, 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 <laughs> right. yeah, kill the grass beds out there off a of good Scotch Point. And, right. Um, so, you know, that's where I think bringing a sportsman's voice and making sure sportsmen are aware of those kind of issues are, are important. Um Oysters have been a continuing uh, big issue here on the on the coast. Yeah, uh, we've got a big big change in that this year, where we've had a bill passed that's going to privatize eighty percent of the the oyster reefs that are out there and and bring some private money in. Um, I don't think that that's a bad thing. You know, we're, the state is not necessarily nimble enough to manage all our oyster reefs, um, and so I I think that can be a good thing. And it frees up the state to deploy resources for oyster restoration in other ways. So you know, like. You know, I think we could agree um, the measure of oyster success is not necessarily how many sacks come across the rail for sale. Um, you know, we all fish and you know, oysters are important to yeah. to the whole ecosystem and for, for fishing reefs and cleaning the water, everything they Cle- do. Cleaning so. the water is the one that always worries me the most because what we used to have compared to what we have now, it's like who's picking up the slack? In, in the in the circle of life there. The ecosystem, to, yeah. yeah. To, filter, to filter that water, you know. Right. I don't know, but when you say privatize the, the 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 reefs, are you talking about the stuff that's back there behind Deer Island now, or or something else? Entirely? No. So so this is uh, there was a bill that was passed in the last uh, legislative session that um, 
authorizes, in fact, requires uh, DMR to make 80% of the available oyster bottoms that are current, you know, reefs that uh, available for lease to private entities. Okay. You know, the way we operate, um, have operated our oyster reefs in the past, it's almost, I hate to be uh, flip about it, but it's kind of like a kid's lemonade stand. You know, the state goes out and seeds the oysters, and we put all this money into putting culture on the reefs and replacing substrate, and then the oystermen go out and harvest it and, you know, and then sell the oysters. Right. So, you know, it's uh, the analogy. You know, it's easy to make money in a lemonade stand when your parents buy all the supplies. And <laughs> right. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah, 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 I got you. But, but the reality is the state has one oyster boat, really, you know. So when you have a storm like Katrina – um, that comes in or another big storm that silts over the reefs. We don't have the ability to get out there and be dredging the reefs and turning them over and, and making sure that silts off of there so that they're going to survive or, you know, monitoring the reefs. So I think that having some private, you know, money come in with guys who are doing that every day, do it for a living, got skin in the game, um, could be a good thing. And let us, let us, the state, um, focus on other ways to, uh, to, you know to restore oysters that, that yeah. reminds me of that story where they were trying to protect i think uh lions like in africa and one of the ways that, that worked the most was allow people to pay to hunt them and it's like counterintuitive but it's like if you if it's a product that's worth money then the local people that have money invested in it they won't go out and poach them right they'll only sell them to the people that are coming to kill them right you know whether you agree with that or not it helps yeah. protect the lions, the lions. yeah it could be the same thing with the oysters i guess maybe kind of like what you're talking about well, I, you know, I, I think having the private money in there to do that will benefit everybody. And like I said, I think it frees up some resources. I think to your point, what you're talking about, you know, I don't think a lot of people realize, a lot of sportsmen, they might not think of themselves as conservationists, mm. but, you know, the vast amount of conservation funding in the United States comes from two bills that provide for excise taxes on hunting gear and on fishing gear. Mm -hmm. And it then come down back to state agencies and are deployed and redeployed for conservation. So, you know, if you're going to Academy or you're going to see the swamp and you're buying some fishing tackle or some hunting gear, um, you're a conservationist, whether you like it or <laughs> yeah, not. I'm paying you, for it. You yeah. So when my, my wife got AFCO fishing shorts for the boys to go to school with, conservation right there, there it is right right there right so <laughs> it's uh but it's in, it's important for them to, to recognize that and, you know when people want to in this day and age um it's hard because as you're losing you know it's a decline we're on a decline you're losing hunters and fishermen um as a pastime kids right. are busy in travel sports and video games and everything else Land and phone yeah we just i just shared an article with y'all the other day some friends of ours they're the the department of education is penalizing schools that are still having outdoor hunting classes and and uh, archery classes because right. it's deemed an unsafe or something right yeah it blows I, my I, mind. I i just came across that myself i had not been paying attention to that but uh, i thought it was a I, joke well, yeah. I think it's a misinterpretation of, of that law. And, you know, I think what they intended to do, to do with the law was they didn't want to have federal funding going to train uh, resource officers in school and providing guns. And so now the Department of Education is they're taking the interpretation that that means, you know, no, no training programs yeah. or anything like that That's in school, crazy. which is just, yeah. just a shame because, yeah. you know, so many kids we know. I mean, I'm fortunate. I grew up, I got it straight down the bloodline right you know, my grandfather loved to fish he put it in my dad my right. dad put it in me i put it in my kids you know and but there's a lot of 
you know, a lot of kids out there that they don't have a, whether it's their father or an uncle or a neighbor right. or somebody that's going to expose them. And so, you know, removing those opportunities is, you know, it's a shame. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, our, our shop class, we were what, sixth, seventh grade. We took it in shop class and we'd go do hunting safety courses. You know, they still offer that at the high school, but now they have like a, a simulator. It's like an arcade game. We would get on a bus right. at St. Martin, drive to the landfill. The boys would shoot 12-gauge shotguns. The girls would shoot 20-gauge. I mean, you could shoot anyone you want, but mo most of the time the girls would shoot 12, I mean, 20-gauges. Load the guns back up on the bus and go back to school. Like, yeah. you try to do that now. Culture's changed. Yeah. Society's changed. Yeah. And it's not for the better. Uh, to me, shielding people from w guns just makes you more unsafe right. and and hunting connects you to the outdoors yeah you know i, I mean th what more what better way than to do to be out in it right absolutely well you can't you can't lose that that connection you know and there's so much more that goes you know into that i can remember having a debate with somebody quite a while we were talking about ecotourism on the coast and how right. to promote that you know so you know, we were at these casinos that for example you know they'll promote a three-day golf package down here mm -hmm. but you could promote the same kind of thing for ecotourism if you look across the coast from the audubon you know the prac center over in in uh, pascagoula all the way to stennis and the aquarium and um the uh, marine mammals charter fishing right. sailing kayaking right. i mean there's so much to do you know and getting out in the in the back and you know it's it you need to promote that you need to get get people out there and so they understand and have that connection with with the land and with the water yeah and and get to know you know our the gulf coast other than just you know being in the casino if you want to get out and explore and learn what you know the mississippi gulf coast is about those are the ways to do it yeah. right you know uh, what what other issues other than than the ones you've mentioned? I, I, I know that's probably a big topic. Uh, I think even Delbert Hosman talked about that when he was on about the uh, state purchasing Cat Island. Yeah, did we talk about that? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah uh, they're, they're purchasing uh, purchasing some parts of it, correct? Which is good because you know it's been privately owned, and so that's kept uh, some restoration from happening um, because you can't enhance private property. Right. right. So once that land gets into public, uh, you know, into the public domain, then that opens it up. Cause like if you've been out there, how did we, I don't, I still don't understand how the state did not own cat Island. It was purchased in, it, they it, never it, owned it or he they explained it to us on, on there. I know some it, the family bought it and they've had it for a really years, long right. time. And he's, they, they wanted to get rid of it. $13 million. I think is what he said. The state paid for it. So all, all of the islands along here were in private, they were privately owned. And then when they started putting the islands into the National Seashore Program and they right. started working sort of uh, east to west, um, and before they got down to Cat Island, I think they had kind of a limited budget to do it. And uh, the family that owned the island had, had platted a subdivision on there. And, you know, a lot of <laughs> a lot of that made that much more difficult. There's camps out there. And yeah, there's a few dredged, camps. Dredged a canal. And so uh, that's why that remained in private hands. But then over time, they started to sell some pieces, and then you know a large chunk got sold after the spill. Yeah. Uh, first to BP, and I think BP told it, turned around, sold it to the, the core, and maybe now it's with Fish and Wildlife Service. And yeah. So there's some negotiations about swapping some pieces around there to protect because uh, so that restoration work that they're going to do out there now that program that that project is for the old Goose Point, which is withered away to practically nothing. Nothing yet. And um, but if you go down to the west end, you know it's it's Beautiful. it's it's <laughs> retreating as well. So. You oh, know, it's the north side that we were in. When did they dump the, the sand? It just dumped out there. That was the north side. So that was on the. They did a project on the east side. Yeah, we were the yeah, east yeah, side. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and that ended up being a fantastic yeah. bird project, and mm -hmm. it did great. But that was all along the east end, and then on the on the southern southeast end, which was Old Goose Point, that 
was more difficult to do because that was in I think that was in Park Service hands. I'm not going to remember who. Right. It, it, there's there's a few different ownership pieces there. But right. once the state once the state finished up buying Deer Island, then they turned their focus to trying to buy up you know some of the other pieces of of Cat Island, and the family was agreeable to that, and they kind of hold you know held their that core piece in there where the camps are yeah but that'll be a good thing because it'll allow for some restoration uh on the island at that project i think they're going to put 13 million cubic yards of, of dredge material out there on the end at goose point so it'll yeah um help i guess the same that. project that did, did ship island when they uh connected camille cut same thing right right this won't be as difficult because they're going to take sand from the borrow the borrow areas where they dredge the ship island channel they they pump that out to the east I'm sorry, to the west of the channel. Yeah. And so they'll be able to bar sand from there. I'm like Ship Island or they were having to go find these in Orange ancient Beach, wasn't it, under or something like riverine that? beds <laughs> and particular, you know, grain size and everything. This one doesn't have the same sort of uh constraints on it. So yeah. it'll be be a little easier to do. Yeah. What about uh what about further up? Like uh Jackson and stuff like that. What are the stuff are they looking at? Uh that way. Well, uh, you know, in the northern part of the state we have uh They've had more issues on the hunting side, um, chronic wasting disease, right. mm-hmm. problem around the state. How do we get get handled on that? Um, last year, a big issue uh, within the state was the sale of deer. Um, you know, there's a group that wants to be able to sell sell deer. Um, we've always been an advocate for the, the sort of the North America model with the college sort of free chase, um, not owning wildlife. And um, I guess people might question that. You have a deer lease and put a put a corn feeder out there. Um, but it's it's a lot different than buying and own you know buying and selling them. Right. Um, they just passed some regulations this year for turkeys. You know, there's been a we've been one of the last days that didn't have a turkey tag program. Um, trying to keep try to keep up with what our turkey population is and how we can bring them back. Um, you know, if if you don't have the data, um, yeah, it's like we all know about you know snapper now, and we've got this great data because <sighs> we're you know we're we're collecting it now. Right. Um, that's one of the silver linings. The whipsaws back and forth north and south part of the state, but you know that came out of um, the the oil spill was, you know the the DMR had a lot of mandates to do stock assessments and other things that you know we just didn't have the funding to do. It wasn't getting done. Um, I think there was a real realization that it's hard to know what you you don't know what you lost if you weren't keeping up with right, it. Right, you didn't right, have right. baseline data to begin with. And that's provided you know a lot of money for although the general public doesn't see it uh, all the time, but that's that necessary science for them to be doing uh, stock assessments and and getting a better handle on you know particularly on, on our inshore fisheries. Yeah, um, kind of like the tails the tails and scales app. Well, the tails and scales app. Um, you know, if you've been out to the islands and they've done a bunch of great jobs getting uh, getting different grants. I don't know if you noticed the red teardrop buoys out around mm-hmm. the islands between Ship and Horn. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's. Um, a, a number of grants that they've gotten that's an acoustic tagging program right. and and they were all of these they're different grants but they've all kind of come together so where they're doing sturgeon and flounder and redfish well in you know any one of those didn't have enough money to put a whole array of buoys across but by the time you put them all together you know any one of those buoys can pick up right. any one of those fish and they pretty much have the whole mississippi sound roped off if something's leaving the mississippi sound you know one of those those fish with acoustic tag um i think and they're doing triple tail as well yeah um then they're getting that that data so you know we're it's that's exciting science absolutely for, uh, 
you know, not for everybody. They're you know, exciting science. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, though. It really it's is, cool. though. But, I mean, Mississippi State started – when Mississippi State started t- uh, doing those tarpon taggings, like, I didn't realize tarpon were running – you know, they would run Horn Island, inside Ship Island – run to chandelier and come back but they showed it on their map and it was like it was, it was interesting to me i dove into the whole article oh, dude, read everything it's shark it. week right now and i've been watching them tag great whites <laughs> off the coast of south africa i'm into that you know yep. it's, it's it's fun to watch the more you know the more you can help protect them right yeah yep. so what, how, what's the balance there though you know as we gain all this data and, and figure out more and more about them how do you is it even possible to 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 protect the species and keep your recreational guys. I'm not even going to get into like the commercial side of it, but I guess that is part of it. Uh, how do you keep everybody happy? Can well, you? I, you know, I, I don't know that you can keep everybody happy because everybody no. wants to remember the good old days. Right. And, right. And it's just, you know, you can't, you can't hold on to that. You know, the reality is, well, it won't be you know, here. I can't have two kids and they both have two kids. Let's just say it's two. I mean, mm-hmm. I have three kids and they each have three kids the christmas tree out like that and everybody lived by the same you know the resource is the resource right Right. and you know uh i'm you know a recreational guy at heart but you see it you know out there i was thinking about on the way over you know when when, um my parents grew up in new orleans and they have my dad they come over to the pastor's jam for the summer and so he grew up fishing down that end and uh fishing first key second key fishing trout and redfish and we would go out when i was little you know, pre Loran or any of that, fishing a skiff. When we go fish first key and you would triangulate, you'd line up the water tower and something else and then over here you'd line up something in here. <laughs> and then you and then you yes. and then you start digging around hitting around on the bottom to, to see if you're on oysters. Yeah. yeah. You know, that not now. Now, <laughs> you know, you come down if you didn't grow up in a fishing family, you can buy twenty 21 foot boats got 100 gallons of fuel for yeah. 600 or a thousand dollars you can have a piece of electronics on there that's as nice as any offshore supply vessel you know right i have a 24 inch screen but right. it can have side Same scan thing. sonar yeah. and put you you know on the money you watch a couple of youtube videos and you know you're seeing guys up <laughs> regular in the, fishermen you're yeah. seeing guys up in the middle of the marsh in places that i didn't dream of going you yeah, know when yeah. i was and i felt like we were kind of a salty family you know yeah, and yeah. i was like yeah i'm kind of skirting around the edges yeah. Yeah. Um, we we talked about it on the I, show. Yeah. I saw a shirt the other day. It said "Grandpa, the original GPS." Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah <laughs> That's what we used to go back to. You know, what I'm saying before you, you, they knew where the fish were because they fished it. You know, what I'm saying it's just yeah. not like we're gonna go try this new spot. No, I, I, we're gonna, we we know where they're at. We're gonna yeah. go here. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't. I, I, I did you say earlier that 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 outdoorsman like hunter and fisher is going down? Like, um, per, I guess track through licensing. Yeah, in right. the state is that right? right. It doesn't seem like that, <laughs> like anecdotally, well, right? Well, I mean, I, I, you go I guess you could buy a boat without buying a fishing license. Well, you can't technically fish. I Correct. Mean, you know yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're you're right. You wouldn't think that. It doesn't I mean, feel now, like that. It, it, like nobody works. They all have boats and nobody works. I mean, you go, <laughs> you know, springtime hits and you yeah. get on the. I fish more the you know the the west end, but you know, you get out to Cat Island and you're like, what the hell? It's, t- it's Tuesday. You right. can walk from one end to the other on the back from boat to boat. You know, it's, it's crazy, just, and they, you know, they keep on coming. So, yeah, the the pressure feels there, but it's also, you know, that's a prop to me. That's a function of um, decreasing opportunity. So it's like whack a mole. You know, they're like so snapper. You know, we used to just go out and go fishing. You know, now it's like okay, it's snapper season, right. but nothing else is open. Right. Okay, snapper season's closed. Now it's AJ season, Amber Jack, and like yeah. this year, it's going to be twenty five days. You know, like, all those guys don't. Day. All those guys don't quit fishing. They just switch, mm-hmm. you know, and so it's like 
you know, for snapper, you're like they might go like, okay, well, we're just going to go trout fish early, and then when it heats up a little, we'll go out and grab a couple of snapper, and then we'll come back and drink on the island. Right. You know, it, it, Great day. it doesn't. Yeah. It yeah, but it shifts. It shifted a lot of pressure inshore. I think you know that that may not have been there before. Yeah. Um, along with you know, I think another big problem is the whole rigs, uh, idle iron policy that you know rigs have disappearing and and you know the amount of habitat and opportunity that we have out there for. Uh, for places people to go and fish uh, right. particularly for us here in mississippi with kind of the muddy bottom we have right we need that hard substrate um so you know the the, the dmr has done a good job i don't know if y'all saw they they're trying to expand the artificial reef zone by um yeah uh, i think 16 16, 16 acres maybe it's a it's a sizable uh amount mm-hmm. and um and they've got a lot of material to put out there and, and that'll be good i'll help people spread out some but you know not not quite enough yeah, yeah. and yeah. It, it takes a little while for those things it takes two or three years for them to you know get oh, set, yeah. Mature, get fish yeah. stuff and you know you can't just dump it and start fishing on yeah it. yeah we, we i think we talked about it before we went live though you just were what was it last week was it yeah last week? with went, the fishing banks mississippi gulf fishing banks yeah, and went and sunk sunk uh they sunk a pokey boat uh thursday and they sunk one friday and we were on the one that sunk friday and we got the video coming up with a drone it's it's cool stuff it, but it, of course even with that, there comes the fight of, you know, we dumped it on FH-13, but the state guys can't fish it. You see what I'm saying? Because it's past the nine-mile mark. So it's the it's in charter federal. Guys, the right. state yeah. for yeah, ch- state federal. Uh, state, state charter, charter guys. guys. Yes. Right, right. And it, it's weird. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's, it goes to the point about making people happy. It's, I guess it's like it, an ecotourism, too, thing, right? Because if you want to bring that side of it in, but they can't go fish the good reefs, then there's that, that dilemma, right? Well, I – I have a little different view of it. I mean, you know, there there never was a state charter for hire reef fish fishery. Um, our boundary was always three miles. You know, it yeah. wasn't until we got into the big fight about snapper and they pushed the boundary to nine miles that all of a sudden, okay, well, there's some snapper between three and nine miles off the islands. Then we're not really inside of three. Right. Yeah. And all of a sudden it, you know, spawned this, you know, state charter for hire fishery that was not a federally licensed fishery. Yeah. So – um i get it mm-hmm. but that's not that's not their bread and butter and anybody who's a state licensed guy i mean that adds to what he's getting to do um but that's not what he's doing year round you know he's i mean you know we took it we really took it in the shorts this year with the decrease in our quota yeah. so you know our snapper season was only two you know, months a month. yeah no, not a month even, and a half not even. Yeah. It, it was a uh, memorial day to maybe maybe six weeks memorial yeah. day till just after uh the fourth so you know nobody's nobody's making their living off of that particular right. fishery. Gotcha. Um, the snapper meat. You mean you mean it's just right. land, yeah? Because they're they're inshore guys. Most yeah, of them. Yeah. yeah, for the most part. Yeah. You know, I mean, like I said, they got a bit an inshore boat can do a lot of things on a on a good day. You know, right, you right, pick right, your right. day and go. Um, but that's not you know the the bulk of their you know what they're doing. Gotcha. So, yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, you know, and, and, and the fishing banks is they they're just they're like the marines they just want to blow stuff up the, <laughs> the, the, the fishing banks they just want to sink stuff they don't care yeah. where it's at you know what i'm saying the more stuff on the bottom the better well they right. they got to keep it within the the, the regulation fi- fh yeah, yeah. Right. so yeah. if they're going to go nine miles or ten miles gotcha. they're sinking it gotcha when it's a dilemma you know they have some sites that are further out um and you'd like to get more material out there because it's a different fishery so you know out on fh7 for example right. you know you can get some amberjack and stuff out there but your cost to haul something to fh7 goes up a lot so you know you're, well i could do more material and reef building and closer where more people are fishing 
um, or we can, you know, try to find some funding to get it out there further. But there's, you know, there's a, certainly a trade off. Yeah. Um, that was a but, long ride on that barge. I think it took them like eight hours to get out to yeah. FH thirteen. So it was FH seven would be a good little ride. Oh yeah, yeah for <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, but I do a lot on the I, I I work a lot on the federal side too. So I I'm on a couple of advisory panels for the Gulf Council. So I'm their reef fish panel and advisory panel and their data panel. Uh, participated in their uh, the the recent stock assessment for that's ongoing right now for Snapper is called CDR seventy four. Um, which is, uh, you know, you probably heard the old saying: "There's two things you don't want to see made: sausage and legislation." It should say, "It should say three because a federal stock assessment of a fishery is uh, not fun science. Uh-huh. Yeah, not a it's, fun. Well, it makes my head hurt. I'm yeah. not. Uh, we we've got. We're lucky. We have some really uh, some talented, smart people here within our state. So like Trevor Moncrief, who does does that for DMR, um, is uh, does a great job pointing out the the problems with the federal stock assessment and how they're evaluating what we're catching and what's out there, particularly from the state of Mississippi, from a small state, you right. know, there's a, there's a lot of particular issues that, that the, that the data is not clean. Is that? Yeah. So, you know, you got a small state like Mississippi and the way they evaluate um, the harvest effort, mm-hmm. they do it in waves. So it'll be a couple of months, you know, and like here's a wave and they'll take some, they'll do some dockside surveys and some other things and then they'll take that data and extrapolate from that you know here's how many fishermen we think what we think the harvest was well you know we'll have some times where maybe our uh, season ran into september and september's the beginning of a new wave and so you'll have a big labor day weekend and you got two samples which is not anything and then they extrapolate from that and there's no fishing going on after that and they say, well, you know, Mississippi, you caught 400,000 pounds during September and October. Yeah. So we, you know, our season wasn't even open. Yeah. It was impossible, you know. Yeah. And it's like beating your head on a brick wall. But they've done a real good job of, you know, really going through uh, the details of that and try to point it out on the federal side. And, you know, hopefully it takes time. Uh, you know, that kind of stuff moves at a glacial pace. But <laughs> yeah. the, uh, yeah, they've, we- they've at least put the kind of data that we need out there maybe when we get this next stock assessment we'll we'll get some of those snapper back yeah um as a local local fisherman uh, what what can we do what what do you suggest do we we join something do we, do we come together do we have a bigger voice how does that work well I, yeah staying on top of it be involved in you know organizations that you know can help you stay on top of it mm-hmm. cuz it's hard we're all inundated with uh a ton of stuff every day not just you know fishing but kids and life and yeah. you know so you know i think being a, a member of an organization is a good thing it's it's a struggle for organizations that do that when uh you know when you don't have a fight out there when things are you know they're relatively good there's not a particular big issue that everybody's trying to rally behind mm-hmm. you know you want people to continue to stay engaged so that they're there when you know you do need to call on there, right. there is something going on and you know recreational fishermen are always tough because unlike commercial fishermen they're not making a living from it so they can pay attention to it sometimes sometimes not you know sometimes it's easier to complain about something that's happening to you after it happens rather than right you know being on the front end especially when this stuff just takes forever sometimes to get you know everybody gets burnt out you know yeah. you're trying to well even under, understanding the the machine that that makes these decisions and then how they're implemented. I'm learning a ton of that just through through this podcast. You know, I didn't I didn't realize that. I didn't know how many agencies were involved. I didn't realize that it's not just the DMR, that there's more to it than that, you know. It's uh it's a lot. Yeah. A lot. 
It's a, yeah. lot of, a lot of red tape, a lot of paperwork, a lot of hoops you got to jump to even get it started. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, it's staying engaged is a good thing. You know, they, the, uh, it, like on the federal side, for example, when I was getting inv- interested in doing some of that, they had a course called MREP, M R E P, that it was designed for people like that. You're a recreational fisherman, a charter for hire guide, somebody you want to, you want to get yourself involved mm-hmm. and you could apply to this and they paid for it. You did two different sessions down in three day sessions in Florida. And you know, one of the three day sessions, you learned all about the science and what mm-hmm. goes into it. And the other one you learned kind of all about the policy and how that happens and bringing the science into play. Um, so, you know, trying to find those kind of opportunities where you can, can engage is, uh, you know, is important. Um, or, like I said, being involved in an organization that can help you stay apprised of what's going on. Yeah. Do you all have a list of all your nonprofits on your website? Like if you wanted to join any of those, are they on there? Yeah. They're listed under affiliates on yeah. the organization. Okay. Right. Yeah, I'm looking at, like Joey just said, I'm looking at your website right now, and I'm seeing it says what we do. We've got just some of these bullet points. If we haven't touched on them yet, uh, you may want to elaborate on Like it says certified wildlife habitat, adopt a stream, Habitat Stewards, uh, Hunter's Harvest, and Magnolia Records uh, programs. Okay, sure. Any any of those that, that we may need to talk about? Um, sure. So our, our Hunter's Harvest program, uh, for example, that is a um, is one where hunters can donate meat to a processor. So if they catch, you know, they case, they, they shoot a deer, yeah, yeah. harvest a deer, and, um, you know, maybe on their property they're trying to harvest a certain amount of does, but they don't necessarily want to eat all that. Right. They can They can donate that at – um, a processor who's on the list and that processor will do it. We, we pay, they give us a discounted rate, but, um, we then pay for that to be, uh, processed and turn that into meals that go to the food bank. And so it's, it's great. Uh, it's, you know, it's it's protein, great meals, um, that they can do a lot with that. And, uh, so that's, that's a, a great program that has, has grown over time. Um, the uh, adopt a stream program that is something that we do. We have a uh, one of our staff, Deb Veter. She does that all over the, the state, and really, it's about teaching uh, youth and teaching educators to help help them training them to to train youth about you know protecting the land to protect the water. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes that res you know protecting the water resonates with people. You try to tell them to protect the land, they're like, oh, you know, but right. they get it when they when they start to see you know what what's happening on the land, whether it's nutrient runoff or yeah, um, fertilizers, trash, pesticides, or, yeah, whatever, like that. you know, uh, trash, oil from your car, mm-hmm. um, plastic, you know, what happens up in Jackson ends up coming all the way down the Pearl and ends up where we are, you know. Um, our Habitat Stewards Program was something that we, we developed after the spill that was to train volunteers to um, – they would do 24 hours of training and would agree to do 100 hours of volunteer service to help landowners like uh, the DMR or the land trust for the Mississippi coastal plain where they needed boots on the ground really, and to get out and observe. And, and then they help with stuff like removal of invasive species or doing wildlife counts. Um, we're moving that program right now into the boys and girls clubs across the, the coast. So six clubs in the um, uh, Harrison and Hancock County and four in Jackson County and just getting started to try to, um, bring that to them as part of their programs where we can train them and get them out into the field um, and put them in touch with, with wildlife. Um, we're also hoping to do a, a fishing program. We're, we're waiting to find out if we got the funding for that, but 
same kind of thing. I saw y'all went on on the trip the other day on the, the Shaggy's program. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know that's a great audience there, as we talked about earlier. That kids that may not get that opportunity, or even if they got it, they got a chance to go on the pier. Uh, but they've never been out on a boat. They never have a chance to go out on a boat. You right. know, so um, the the hope is that we'll get them engaged, get them set up with some gear that's a little bit nicer that they can hold on to and use, and you know, instill that love for the outdoors in them. Yeah, yeah, that's that we love that. That's the, our favorite part of that is seeing, yeah. uh, we take it for granted sometimes, you know, that like you said, we were raised that way. And then you see kids that, that never been on a boat before and they're just like this the whole time, you know, and it's like, yeah, man, and they go wade yeah. fishing, you know, a lot of people, <laughs> like, yeah, it's like or, that. A lot of people have never been to the, the islands, right? You know, a lot of people that are born out here have never been to the islands and yeah. then have it's first time my daughter's been to horn and I mean, she's been to horn ship and deer, but she's the first time she's been to cat, so she yeah. got to jump and cat island, never seen it before, so yeah. it's. It's eye opening for a lot of kids. Are y'all are y'all able to go into schools? You mentioned boys and girls club. Are you are you allowed to go into any of our local schools and like you know presentations or like, like getting kids involved in your programs? Sure. Um, so we're uh, working on that with Gulfport High. It's okay. it's kind of trying to get started with them. Um, the schools sometimes are a little bit tougher because it's so dependent on the teacher. So you get in there, you've got a teacher who's willing to sponsor. Maybe the teacher's not, that's not their subject matter, you know, but they're, they like the idea and they'll do it for a club. Mm -hmm. But then all of a sudden you lose that teacher, you kind of lose the whole thing. So, um, that was part of the reason we, we kind of made the shift to try to work with the boys and girls clubs, um, because they're there. It's a, you know, they're, they're involved in those programs, especially as we move to year round school, um, there's a need for, and we have these other breaks, you know, so like in September, you got two weeks off, you know, what are these kids going to do? Right. Um, so it, it's providing some other unique opportunities to reach out to them, um, during those other times, not necessarily just in the summer. So, um, uh, Mark, uh, ha- uh Havard here, he's been on the show before from two crackers. Right. Uh, yeah, he said he, w- he would love to help. So, okay. Yeah. Um, that sounds like some gr- a great idea. I mean, I, uh, like you said, shifting to two weeks off, like year-round school or whatever, having programs that could instead of just sitting around the house, you know yeah. what I mean? That would be great. Yeah, or they're there, you know, like for like for the boys and girls clubs. I mean, they're going to the boys and girls clubs and they're figuring out what are we going to do with these kids. You know, right. we don't have a summer-long STEM program, or we don't have a, you know, is it a sports program, or what can we do that would be you know a value to them, mm-hmm. and that provides a great opportunity and a nicer time of year to do it you know it's a little tough. cooler yeah <laughs> God, no. if you try so, to do it right now you'd be banked up son. yeah yeah, yeah. with that, that shaggy's angler cam you, it you got had to, us yeah you had to bring your uh your long sleeves on that one yeah, yeah. a little protection but it, it was a good time yeah we did a camp and we did it again this year uh it's called art and ecology and so we would have the the kids in the morning we would focus on science and we might take them on a field trip to go see something and we would really try to slow them down and look a little bit more at the macro stuff and right. uh and then take their observations and journal about it and then they would come back and after lunch that would be art because they would just be you know whoop from being out in that heat you know and so it was a nice kind of uh blending of what they were doing it's a it's a good camp yeah, yeah. where do y'all usually run those camps out of y'all run them down here so that one was out of uh we did it with uh, in conjunction with Walter Anderson Museum. Okay. Uh, before that, uh, we partnered with uh, with the Land Trust and did it at their uh, property, Twelve Oaks, um, which was a great home based uh, property right there in, in Ocean Springs. I don't know if you've been to it. Um, it's a, no, uh, where's that at? It is right behind Hancock Bank on ninety, and uh, it's actually a combination. The Land Trust owns the building there. It's an old old house, um, and it's got 
the most beautiful oaks surrounding it. Oh, it's you want to have the stage set up? Yeah, during, you should uh, cruising the coast. Yeah, cruising the coast puts a stage up there. And you should park cars right there too. I think. I, you know, I'm not sure about that. Whether I, I was on the board there for a long time, the, uh, but that may have happened after I uh, rolled off. Past two or three years. If yeah. we're talking about the same spot, it is yeah. right there behind Hancock. Yeah, uh, this is right, right behind Hancock Whitney. Well, it's you can't see any kind of open open field. Uh, I'd be surprised honestly if they had it because the, the land trust owns that little that little piece of property and then actually department of marine resources that's coastal preserves land and all surrounds it okay uh so when that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think so okay um but there's great you know properties like that all around land trust just finished a beautiful project behind uh was it keg and barrel that's uh over there right behind there walking trail on a blue way okay um you know it's a so that's right there on the river right there on four bayou right yeah right i didn't even know that was there yeah, I did. Well, that, that's exactly. That's I mean, what makes it so wonderful. I mean, it's like right behind there. Yeah. Um, you know, beautiful path and trail that goes through the woods, and they're hoping that they'll be able to complete that with a bridge. It'll connect to 12 Oaks. So great, great place to get outdoors and yeah. right, right over the marsh. Um, got some good platforms to look out over there. So, again, sometimes kids don't get – everybody doesn't get to see that vantage yeah. point, you know, because unless you live there, buildings all around. Yeah. Know, Hey, well, you drive by it and not even know, like I do all the time, apparently. Yeah, so. Every day. Uh, I've got the the link to your Facebook page uh, dropped in the comments below. What's If somebody's hearing about this for the first time, they want to get involved, they want to join, what's the best way to do that? Um, they can send, a, send us a message through Facebook. That seems to be a popular way to do that yeah. now. Um, they can always go to the website and, and send a message through there. Um, they can reach out to, uh, to me directly. But uh, – uh, if you're on social media, which is I know where this will this will be placed, um, yeah. then that's a that's probably a great easy way to do it is, is send us a message through there and we'll get back to them. And you can join the actual federation that you're in. Is that correct? You 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 can. We, okay. We've we've largely moved to more of a um, a supporter organization rather than a you know, a membership organization like CCA is. Right. We don't have or DU. Um, we don't really have materials and stuff that that we send out. So it's much more of a supporter base, but you can sign up for uh, the email and all the communications. We have a another thing called a Camo Coalition that you can sign up for. That is, um, you don't get as much. It's that's really designed for people that are interested, don't want to get a whole lot of communication, but want to be available when the call goes out for, you know, we we need help on some kind of piece of legislation or mm -hmm. or regulation going on. We need grassroots to speak out. Yeah. So that's what that camo coalition is about um and it's not just hunting although people think camo and they think hunting right um it's it's across the board on on any kind of issues that may be of interest so kind of like the reserves just in case right just yeah. in case we need you <laughs> yeah but they don't want you know everybody's so reluctant to give their information out because they don't want to get like Spam, oh, if i'm yeah. gonna give you this i'm gonna get yeah. i'm gonna get a whole bunch of stuff that i don't have time for <laughs> so this is really you know, when you get something from the, from the Camel Coalition, it's going to be because there's something going on. And, right. You know, that's a handful of, of stuff that will go out during the year. And, and uh, how, do you, how do I get to that? So, to, could you tell me again? Is that uh, on your website? Camel Coalition is, yeah, that's also on the website. Okay, cool. Yeah, I would love to be a part of that. That sounds um, – Do you all have any other big events coming up? You just got done with the extravaganza. So is there anything else uh, that goes in between there or – um, that's, that's the big event that we have up there. We are going to be having a, a, a clay shoot. We're going to have a, be having a couple of things up, up there, a clay shoot and a, um, uh, a concert that are going on in the fall. Those are still kind of in the working stages. The next thing we have going on down here 
is going to be a fishing tournament um, okay. that should be a, a kids' fishing tournament. Um, it's out of the Harrison County uh, Fairgrounds uh, right there on um, next to the soccer fields, the right. sheriff's. Sheriff's Pond. Right, right. Who was telling us about that? Um, I can't remember. One of the ones that we had on invited us to go up there. They're just talking about it, but I can't remember who was talking about that. And that's just and at the pond, right? Right. The so sheriff's that's, Pond. That's slated to be September 23rd, and that's we've had a great time partnering with them and, and with CCA. Uh, on that and uh, a number of other organizations. So, I, you know, I spent – I can't tell you how many years I spent out there at that soccer field, and yes. uh, I had no idea that that pond was even there till we put this event on. And uh, so we, we helped them out with an event in the spring and partner with them, and then we do one uh, same same group and partner. We're, we're the lead in the fall. They're the lead in the spring. But uh, the Sheriff's Department's a great, great group to partner with. Uh, they got all – cooking team and that facility kids can can run wild they got yeah. a train that drives everybody down and um fishing and a bunch of good good activities fly the choppers in and all kinds of stuff yeah uh, that sounds like we need something we need to get behind yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i'd love to go out there and check that out film yeah it'd be good stuff yeah so we got the fishing that's it and then we can run back around or is that we got something else after the uh sheriff's tournament um not a, not anything particular going on down here uh, in the fall at the moment. Yeah. So. And it, is the extravaganza the same time every? Usually the same time every year. Yes. So, so it's it just, was, we just missed it. Right. We just missed it. Yeah. Yeah. Thing, yeah. Huh? Just right. missed it. Usually last weekend in July. Okay. Um, is when it's been for you. It's it kind of bopped around a little bit. Um, like I said I'm a I'm a dyed in the wool saltwater you know coast guy. <laughs> so it, the last thing in the world for me was to be thinking about hunting the last week of july yeah uh, but but everybody's starting to gear up they're they're thinking about it and so that's that's the weekend that we ended up settling on years and years ago so we're going so it's kind of like icast for hunters they bring products in and stuff like that kind of like a boat show kind of deal yeah but it's i mean it's hunting and fishing and it was everything from you know, we have outfitters there. You have there's you know there's a lot more on the freshwater side, right. being where it is mm -hmm. on the fishing side with uh, crappie, bass, and bass and crappie, fishing, yeah. and, catfish, um, and then uh, you know we had bow fishing guys up from Louisiana. We had uh, a whole lot of hunting um, uh, with turkey and deer and um, trappers association. It's, uh, it's a it's a good event. It's all yeah, uh, we need to check that out. Yeah, next year. for real. Yeah, we'd love to have y'all come up next year. That'd be so. cool. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, man, we appreciate you stopping by and talking with Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Uh, everybody needs to go check them out, right? Uh, Facebook, you said is the most active, right? Where y'all are at the most, right? Yeah. So go go give them a, a look there. It's uh, I dropped it already in the comments. So if you're watching this on the live or the replay, uh, just click the link and 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 go check it out. So uh, again, thanks for stopping by this evening. Yeah, appreciate we appreciate it. it. Hey, I enjoyed it. That was a good conversation. Me. Yeah. Uh, thank y'all for watching on the live, man. Go check out the uh, Brownwater Banter app. You can stay up to date with all of our stuff in there. All of our videos and our uh, podcasts are uploaded uh, in there. It's free. App Store and Google Play. And uh, thanks to Tyler and Cox Law Firm for for sponsoring that. So we got uh, O'Brien coming up yep. uh, Thursday. O'Brien will be Thursday. So be on the lookout for that. And uh, we'll get, we got August eighth coming up. So it'll be your Go chance. Vote. To Go vote. <laughs> so we get back into fishing again. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll see y'all in the next. All right. Later. Hey guys, thanks for checking out the show. We really appreciate the support. If you love what we're doing here at the Brownwater Banter Podcast, we'd ask if you could, please download the app. Uh, it's free. It's in the App Store and Google Play. It's got everything you need for a great day in the outdoors. We've got tides, currents, weather, 
tails and scales for all you snapper fishermen out there. All of our content's inside of the app. It's all in one. You can stay connected to the Brownwater universe right there on your phone. Keep those notifications turned on. We don't spam a lot, but it's a way for us to keep in touch with you. And uh, if you really enjoy what we're doing here, man, give us a review on Apple iTunes or Google Play, wherever you listen to your podcast at. And if you're a super fan and you really want to help out the show, share it. Tell somebody about us and uh, let us let them know what we're doing. Help us spread the word here on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. So thanks again, and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Brown Water Banter.